31. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you some introduction to the Psalms just because we haven't, we, I've never preached one since I've been here. So um, we're familiar with the Psalms. We often use them in our call to worship. Martin Luther writes in his commentary on the Psalms, he says, In the Psalms we look into the heart of all the saints, and we seem to gaze into fair pleasure gardens, into heaven itself indeed, where blooms in sweet, refreshing, gladdening flowers of holy and happy thoughts about God and all His benefits. I put in parentheses after that, except the Psalms of Lament. <laughs> But truly, even in the Psalms of Lament, that is true. John Calvin writes in the introduction to his commentary on the Psalms, What various and resplendent riches are contained in the treasury. It were difficult to find words to describe. I have been wont to call this book, not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. For there is not an emotion of which one can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. I encourage you to use the Psalms when you don't know what to pray. To open the Psalms, holy inspired prayers. Now, in the Psalms you'll find uh, various genres and most people think there's about seven uh, main types of Psalm. There is the hymn, like in Psalm 103, that starts, Praise the Lord. We use a lot of those uh, hymnody psalms for our call to worship. There are psalms of thanksgiving, like Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are forgiven. There are psalms, they just call them psalms of confidence, like Psalm 131. I have been calmed and quieted my soul. I am like a weaned child with its mother, and my soul is at rest within me. They assert God's goodness, His salvation. They're psalms of remembrance. And remember, a lot of these psalms were to be sung. And so, psalms of remembrance, like Psalm 78, it was to be sung by the children of Israel to remind them over and over again, here's what our God did for you. Uh, in Psalm 78, it says, So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. There are psalms of wisdom, like Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. There are psalms of kingship. Psalm 47, God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. But no, Blake gave me a psalm of lament, which is the exact opposite of a psalm of him. It is a psalm of sorrow. A psalm of sadness. If I was teaching the kids class, I would say, it's a whiny psalm. <laughs> you want to read it and use your whiny voice when you read it. Even in the psalms of lament, there are individual laments and corporate laments. The one we have this morning is an individual lament. And yet it's wonderful just that we have it. You think of David being a king and all of the psalms he wrote. And, and, and a king glorious and powerful pours out his soul to the Lord. But he also pours it out to his people. He, he, he goes to the music leader at the temple and says, I want you to put a melody to this. We're going to sing this. 
And so when we do our order of worship as a church, um, we, we try to reflect this. So some of our songs sometimes may be really happy and joyful, and they elevate the spirit, the soul, and we're, let, we're ready to clap. And then some of them are very mournful and sad and sorrowful. All manner of emotions reflected in the Psalms, and all manner and emotions should be reflected in our worship. It's interesting, though, that uh, two of the Psalms of Lament show up in the last seven words of Christ. Though he quotes Psalm 22 from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was a student of the Psalms. He cries out from the Psalms. It's so beautiful that he does that. And in his dying words, he is saying, when David was crying out in Psalm 22, he was crying out for me and for what I'm doing. And in my human flesh, I'm crying out the same. All of the scriptures were about me. But he also cries out from uh, the Psalm that we have this morning. Uh, it is finished. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So that comes from Psalm 31. So uh, it's interesting to know that Jesus himself used the Psalms in his prayers, in his relationship, Father to Son, or Son to Father. Um, I also put in there, and it's going to be on your next slide, this structure. Oh, it's right up there. Okay. So um, as I read Psalm 31, uh, you know what, Ricky, let's leave that up there while I read it. We've got the text also. Um, but you can see that this is kind of normal. Now, not every psalm of lament has this, but, but there's, there's part of it is this invocation, this calling upon the name of the Lord. There is a plea to God for help. There are complaints that are made. These things are wrong. This is wrong. Uh, there is a confession of sin or sometimes even an assertion of innocence. That sometimes that can be problematic for us. Like, wait, you're saying you're perfect? No, but there is this sense that what is happening to me is unrighteous. Um, there's a curse on their enemies. Under, an understanding that the enemies of God become the enemies of God's people. And this closeness that God has with his people. If people attack you, they're attacking God himself. There's uh, a confidence in God's response. And there's an ending of a hymn or a blessing to close. It's as if you, you go to the Lord, you pour it all out, and then you receive and you're blessed and your burden is released. Um, so I want you to look for those things as I read this psalm. And I want you to think about, um, probably each of you has a favorite song. Um, couples often like, that's our song, you know. Uh, mine's Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me With Science. Uh, that's the only laugh I got for that. <laughs> that was better than that. Uh, but, but there are songs that connect us, isn't there? Uh, I remember a few years back, my daughter's having a, just, just a struggle. And there's some song that comes on at the station. I look back and tears are coming out. She's like, that's it, Dad. That's exactly what I can't say. Someone else has been able to say that. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And... Um, and so Psalms are that, they're, they're that for us. Uh, it's as if the Lord says, I, I, I know your struggle. Part of why you're in that struggle is that you'll return to me and you'll bring it before me. But David, you're going to write it down because the generations that come after you will need to know that I am your refuge. Psalm 31. Um, 
Would you please stand? To the choir master, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. And you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I've been forgotten like one who is dead. I've become like a broken vessel. For I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Most Psalms, they have this pivot, and here it is in verse 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. It's another word for hell. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Uh, lamenting, mourning, being sorrowful, even whining. Those things show the desires of our heart. Okay, So what we mourn over, what we're sorrowful over... It shows what's important to us, doesn't it? But how we lament 
how we show our sorrow, how we kind of get it out of our system, that shows where precisely our souls are resting. Where do we go with it? How do we respond to it? So what we lament shows the desires of our hearts. Uh, We don't use the term yuppie anymore, do we? But we used to. When I was growing up, there were yuppies. You know, the yuppies were like the the young, wealthy, uh, the young, you know, young, wealthy people. Uh, yuppies, young urban professionals, I think is what that word came from. Anyway, there's this joke about the yuppie who crashes his BMW, and when the EMT gets there, you know, he's outside his car, and he's crying, and he's like, oh, my car, my car, my car, my car. The EMT goes, sir, you've lost your arm. <laughs> and he responds, my Rolex. <laughs> Our mourning, it shows what's, what's important to us. And sometimes, Christians, we're a little embarrassed about it, aren't we? There are things that bother us, and we know in our hearts and our minds, that really shouldn't bother me as much as it bothers me. If people knew that I was really angry or upset about this, it betrays what I hold closest to myself. What we lament shows what's important. How we lament shows where our safety is, our souls, where where our security is. And so the sermon in the sentence this morning is, who or what we entrust our souls to? That comes from verse 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit, my soul. Who or what we entrust our souls to is evident in our responses to our day-to-day trials. So we're not going to go exhaustively through all 24 verses, but I want to kind of talk about the nature of our laments, the direction, where we take them, and really the destination, where we end up when we properly lament before the Lord. First, the nature of our laments. They come, it seems to come from three different areas. We lament, we mourn, we're sorrowful about three, really three different things. Uh, The first, I would say, is the troubles from our own thoughts and actions. Now, it depends on the type of person you are. If you're an introspective person, uh, then this may be where most of your sorrow comes from. Uh, I I find it really interesting that human beings, we're just, we are not, we are not just brains on a stick. We are complex beings. We're not just hearts on a stick. We're, we're not just minds. We are, we're this complex array all woven in together, even from the same family. Like I, I know with my own kids, there was one kid that I had to give like 90% of grace to give 10% of rebuke. And then there was another kid, I had to give 90% of rebuke to give 10% of grace. Same father, same mother, same treatment, same rules, just a different makeup. And so uh, even with the Psalms of Lament, some of us, we are so troubled with our own souls. And it's okay. In, in, our, in our text here, in uh, verse 9, my eye is wasted from grief, my soul, my body also, my strength fails. My strength fails, he says, because of my iniquity. And so, um, Christian, realize that you're going to go there. Realize that that there are going to be parts of your walk with the Lord God Almighty that you're going to be filled with sorrow. 
There will be times when the loving Father says, now it's time to work on this area of sin in your life that you have been oblivious to for 20, 30, 40 years. Now it's time. Now has come the time. And I will send my spirit. I will send the word. I will send a brother. I will send a sister. And they will point out the iniquities in your soul. And it is right and true for us to lament over those. It is right and true for us to go to the Father and say, I am still selfish. I am still materialistic. I have a cold heart towards evangelism. I care more about myself all the time than other people. We lament over those things. We, 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 we bring it up to our God. We say, I, I know this, I feel this, the troubles from our own thoughts and actions. Secondly, and, and mostly in this text, the troubles from our enemies. Verse 2, rescue me speedily. Verse 4, there is a net they have laid out for me. I mean, what beautiful, vivid imagery we have. Don't we? They pay regard to vain idols. So that's part of the, that's part of the enemy of God. You know, the things that they have chosen that are important to them, that give them status, and they use those things against you. You don't have this. You haven't accomplished that. You don't live here. You don't look like this. Whatever it is, these are the enemies, and they cause him trouble. Verse 11, he says, it's because of my adversaries. And it's gotten so bad that his neighbors are avoiding him. His acquaintances are avoiding him. Nobody wants to be around him. Verse 12, I've been forgotten. Verse 13, they whisper about me. They scheme. They plot to take my life. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies. Rescue me, O God, from my persecutors. Now, again, it's important for us to know that these exist. I think we do no service when we tell someone, put your life in the hands of Christ and trust your life to him, and it's going to be easy. No, I often tell people when they put their trust in Christ that, that the first thing that's going to happen usually is trial and warfare. There will be an attack to you from, from all those who feel judged just by the fact that you say, I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I put my hope and my trust in him. There will be those that immediately feel uh, without you saying anything, that you are now at war and at odds with them, and they will seek to destroy you. Friends will become enemies. Acquaintances will turn against you. And it's important for the people of God to know that, to expect it. Sometimes we act surprised. I'm doing everything right. I'm, I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm trying to follow the Lord. Why are people angry at me? Why does it seem that they're trying to trip me up? You know, uh, last year we did the study in Daniel. and I mean, that, that, that was his life, wasn't it? I'm seeking, he saves those that are about to be killed. He saves those who are trying to kill him. And yet they immediately plot against him again and again. So our troubles from our enemies, we bring those before the Lord. Lord, it seems like all around me, they are trying to trip me up. And and the last part would be really the troubles that we have with God. And again, there's not a lot of that in this psalm of lament. But he does say in verse 22, I said in my alarm, look what he says, I am cut off from your sight. Now I love it because he, he, he says that in that last section where it's that, that, that hymn and praise section. Um, he says it, I, I said this, I can't believe I said it. <laughs> you know? He's like, I own up to it, Lord. There was that moment. There was that moment when things were so dark. Like you said, I was like besieged, you know, like, like, like 
chained, jailed into a city. There was that moment, oh God, where I said, you don't see me, you don't hear me, I'm cut off from your sight. And he immediately says, but you heard. I said this, but it wasn't true. I, 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 I thought that you had left me. I think the hard thing, um, you know, that we put my folks in a long-term care, and then they're eight hours away. There's not a family that lives in the city with them, and, and um, Dad lost his cell phone. Then he had to go on quarantine for 14 days because he was moving into a nursing home, and he hadn't been vaccinated, and so there's no visits, no communication. When I finally got to see him a few weeks ago, I walked in, and he just, he just said, I I thought my sons didn't love me anymore. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Dad. He goes, I, I knew it wasn't right. He said, I knew it wasn't right. I just, I, I knew they did, but I just, I just felt that. I just felt like they've tricked me, they've put me in here, and they don't love me anymore. That's how David is feeling with the Lord God Almighty. He's, he said, it, I have iniquities, I have people against me, but I can take all of these things. But Lord, if you hide your face from me, there's nowhere else for me to go. And he writes it for us. Christian, if you feel those things, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It means you line up with the saints that have gone before us. It means that the enemy, for a season, for a moment, has infiltrated what you know is true in the core, and you believe God has forgotten you. God has not seen you. And it it often happens in a situation like this, doesn't it? When things aren't going well. If he saw me, he'd stop this. If he heard what they were saying, he would silence them. And yet, for a season and for a moment, he feels that God is not there. Whatever the nature of your lament may be, the Christian is to take them to the Lord. We're not to hide them. We're not to pretend. We're not to put on our joyful, churchy face. When we come in or we see the Lord's people, We're to cast all of our anxiety on him. But it's where we take them. And so the second point here, the direction of our laments. We can take them to others. And and it's it's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong. Uh, It's good to be careful about your laments. uh, And make sure that it's not some excuse to spread gossip. So-and-so has really hurt me, and I want you to know that. Here's what they did. Here's what they said. And in some sense saying, I'm, I'm, I'm okay because I'm a victim here. Uh, but to not use it as a means of gossip. And I would say for us, we have to be especially careful in a small town. I'm amazed how everybody knows everybody. They know where you ate, what you ate, how much you tipped the waitress, where you get gas. Remember, I went to eat somewhere and said, hey, somebody saw you without a mask. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So what happens? People know. People see. Uh, but we can direct our laments to other people. There are enemies of God uh, that we don't direct our laments to. We don't cry out to the world for compassion. There are those that are enemies of God that are being sent to Sheol, to hell. They're idolaters, they're enemies, adversaries. Even here, he's like, my acquaintances and my neighbors, they don't get me. His longing is for a brother or sister that does get them. And I think it's interesting, the, uh, the direction of this lament, it's 
the very opening sentence to the choir master. And in verse 23, it ends with all his saints. And so it is right, again, for us to share those things. Okay, brothers and sisters, it is right for us to share those things. When we meet together, pray over the sickness of your soul. I know it's hard. I know sometimes it feels weird and like, oh, that person overshared. But um, the brothers and sisters in Christ, we're in this together. Uh, we direct our laments towards ourselves. We recount. That's this that whole conversation. It's David saying, here's what I went through. Here's how I dealt with it. And, and, and here's, I, I even had this little coaching session. You know, we talk about that. He, he preaches this gospel to himself. I said this, but I know this. This was happening, yet you are a refuge. I saw this, but you are my rescuer. I felt this, but your steadfast love overwhelms me. Um, so we, we say it to ourselves, but also, absolutely, we direct our laments towards God. That's how it starts. Verse 2, incline your ear. Verse 1, in your righteousness deliver me. Verse 4, you're the one who takes me out. Verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. So this whole lament is being poured out to the living God. And he comes to verse 19, how abundant is your goodness. I know where I am going. I know who I'm talking to. Verse 14, 15, but I trust in thee. He's saying, I see these things. I feel these things. These things have happened. They're right. I'm not making them up. They've happened, but I trust in you. And he is entrusting to God, not just his flesh, not just his job, not his reputation, but his eternal spirit. Sermon in the sentence, how we handle this, it shows where does the safety of my soul reside? And that's what he says, my, my, my spirit, my soul, it is in your hands. It belongs to you. My eternity belongs to you. And that's the only place we will find eternal safety. Not just uh, where the laments come from or the direction that we take them, but uh, I want us to close by just thinking about this destination. Where will it take you? What's the purpose? You see, there is a purpose in lamenting. And we see it work its way out when we come to verse 19. So he is pouring out all of these things that are wrong. And we don't want to just stop there. Okay? We don't want to, we don't, we don't, it's not meant to just say, uh, life's tough and then you die. It's not the end of it. All of these things are happening, but here is what I know about you. Where does it take him? Look at verse 19. How abundant is your goodness? David is not surprised that there's evil in the world. He's not surprised that there are enemies of God and of himself. He has felt things. He has lived through things. But there is one thing he knows is unchangeable. That is his God. Uh, and, and he knows it in Exodus. When God could bear their suffering no more, he sends Moses. Galatians, when the time had fully come, God sends his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. We get this, that, that we take our lament to God, and, and he is turning us from any ability to fix things and run things on our own, and he's saying, bring it to me. And we end with a hymn. 
Verse 21 to 24. Blessed be the Lord. He's wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I said in my alarm, I'm cut off, but you heard when I cried for your help. Then there's this call, love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So Jesus lamented. Jesus lamented from the cross. He cried out, why have you forsaken me? And then he ended with, into your hands I commit my spirit. David writes in this psalm, the greatness of our God over and over. He calls him the rock. And that's why some of those passages in our liturgy talked about God being a rock. But even more eloquently, he is a refuge. He is my fortress. And how abundant is his goodness. Where does Jesus lament go? It goes towards the father. But we are the destination of his lament. We are the ones are the recipients of all of his pain and all of his suffering. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that it is honest and truthful and right that we read an account like this, this prayer of David, the one who had everything, victory. At times, Father, the ladies in the streets would sing of his greatness in battle. He was a mighty warrior that killed ten thousands of his enemies. Had a beautiful palace. And yet, Father, life was not always easy. It was not always good for him. And the same with us, Father. I pray that when we face the trials, the struggles, the pain of life, Lord, we would turn to you, but we wouldn't have to feel this pressure to do it quickly. We wouldn't feel that there's some clock running. You, you've got to stop lamenting now. It's time for you to be happy again. But Father, we know that you would hear us. Even when friends may turn their deaf ear to us because they've heard it all before, you hear us. You are steadfast in your love. And you are always good. Father, even the times when we have accused you of things because of our sorrow, we have assumed things about you must be true because we felt them. We thank you that you are God who rises above all of that, that you are not made in our image, and you are unchangeable in your wisdom and being and love. And so, Father, we pray that the seasons of lament would be followed by the hymns of praise. We pray that even in the seasons of lament, that part of our lament would be relieved, knowing that we may not yet want to praise you, but we will. The season of lament may not be over for some of us for a long time. There may be longer seasons of lament than seasons of praise, but in all these things, Father, we pray that our hearts would not sin against you. We know you have purposes in all of our struggles, in all of our trials. And Father, as we take the bread and as we drink the cup, may we be reminded that the pain and the struggle that we go through, it is not because Christ has not done enough. It is not because there is this indwelling sin that must be paid by our own hand. No, that's not true. 
Father, we pray that as we eat this bread that we would rest assuredly on what Christ has won, his finished and completed work. As we drink the cup, we feel the sense that we have, Father, been brought into your presence, washed and cleansed from all iniquity. We ask this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen.